Hey there, we're Those Sci-Fi Guys, and this is that Those Sci-Fi Guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, and I got a lot of problems with all of you. I am G.T. Catman. I want to wish you all a happy festivus. <laughs> I know. The airing of grievances. This is that episode, the airing of grievances part two. <laughs> and folks, I do feel a little bad that our one year anniversary show ends up being our bitch show. It was a it was a bitch session show. <laughs> yeah, about and it was 50. We really did spend about a good half of the episode talking about our enjoyment of the fact that we made it an entire year. Seventy yeah. episodes in a year is no bullshit. That's over, you know, that's over an episode a week. It's like, what would, what did we come up to about an episode? Like, what is it like? Uh, 1.15 episodes a week or something like that, give or take, over the yeah. course of a year, 52 weeks in a year. 1.2 episodes, one, one and a half. I think sure. it's almost one and a third, wouldn't it be? I don't know. Probably You're asking me to do math to at this point. It's, yeah, it's we're really doing in a given month. We're probably knocking out six to seven episodes. Yeah, and we're we're probably going to be in a much more well at this point with the fall setting in. We're going to be in a much more stable schedule. The fingers crossed. Anyway, fingers crossed, but. and uh, you know <laughs> if things adjust a little bit more for for this guy, maybe maybe more consistent. And we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. It's hard to do when I'm getting up at four in the morning. So. Oh man, I got up at five today. Um to go for a walk. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and I was about ready to crash by eight o'clock when I had to clock in. Whoo! It took me just just to respect your situation and having to get up as early as you do. It literally took me four days to acclimate my body to get up at five. It took four days, four days of attempts before on the fourth day, I actually pulled it off. So my, my body is so used to this stuff. I literally can be up and out of that house in under 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, good for you. That's with a shower or no? No. Yeah. Uh, I shower at the end of the day. You know where I work. That's true. That's true. Well, good point. Um, I, have, I usually have things staged the night before, particularly if I'm getting up before my wife. That makes sense. Yeah, I need to stage things, too. I woke up the missus as I was getting up this morning looking for uh, my shoes. I couldn't yeah. find my shoes. Never have your shoes up in the bedroom. It's California, and it, they were in a travel bag. They were They were stuffed in my travel bag from Tahoe. I don't wear sneakers most of the, the summer and spring and half the fall. I wear flip-flops. So me looking for those shoes, they were deep in the closet after I had unpacked for Tahoe. So <laughs> it's just, you know, the situation there. But um, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, you know, actually I didn't realize this, but Lower Decks premiered yesterday. Did you uh, catch it? No, it didn't. Um, one, because uh, I was in bed before it clicked over to the 
time because it uh, technically premiered today. And two, um, I, I will probably end up watching it uh, tomorrow morning while I'm exercising. Um, and then, uh, you know, roll up the exercise bike right out in front and watch it for half an hour. And then, then I'll uh, catch up with uh, She-Hulk probably this weekend. Episode two. Yeah. I heard good things about, oh no, I heard awful things and I heard very good things about this second episode. So I think that's the theme for She-Hulk this, this season. The people that want to hate it are just going to hate it. And the people that are pretty, are a little bit more analytical. Um, Look, like if, if someone can give me a legitimate reason why something is bad, like, you know, like more analytic than just, hmm, they make people feel meh i'm tired of that <laughs> shit man I, I i freely admit the internet trolls are, are winning too many of these fights right now it's fucking awful uh yeah and you're not supposed I mean, to feed them but they're being fed a lot and you take a pretty i i will say a critical view particularly of uh new trek so to speak um Whereas I, I'm not all rainbows and puppies, but uh, I, I have a bit more of a positive outlook or I'm trying to take a more positive outlook with a lot of the uh, the newer Star Trek. But there's definitely things I don't like. Um, right. And there's a lot of trends I don't like. There's too many remakes. I don't mind expanding the franchise. You know, you do worry sometimes about franchise fatigue and. No, I mean, there's Star what, how Wars many different... and Marvel are just spewing out so many different projects. You have to wonder if any of them are going to hit that. I... In the old days, franchise fatigue was like three movies at times, you know? <laughs> well, and then in the old days, I mean, ta- talking about Star Trek, I mean, you had The Next Generation and you had concurrent episodes of DS9. And then you had six months where DS, actually three and a half months where DS9 was on its own before Voyager came on the scene. Yeah, and and that's one thing I didn't like. I kind of wish they had pushed Voyager at least out to the following year. I felt like DS9 deserved to stand on its own. It, well, it did. Because it, I know what you're saying, and you're absolutely right. It never correct. had a chance to be the fr- a franchise tentpole. I feel mm. like they kind of stole that from Voyager, though. Well, the, Voyager was meant to be the franchise tentpole, right? I mean, we can both agree on that. Yeah, we can both agree on that. But <laughs> Deep Space Nine's storytelling was just so much better that it stole Voyager's thunder. I think it would, there was some ex- better execution, uh, some better writing. There were some, I'm not saying the characters in Voyager were weak. There were some pretty good characters. Chakotay was pretty weak. Chakotay was underwritten. Yes, too. absolutely. Absolutely. And Bellana Torres, I felt like, I felt like she, there was a, a bunch missed with her. I know they did a lot with her. Oh, are we going to, are we going to bitch fest about like characters? Cause we could do that too. But (laughs) writing about underused characters or we can we can start thrown into that because uh, there's definitely some characters who are criminally underused, uh, done or written poorly, uh, missed opportunities. 
and characters that definitely didn't work. And, right. You know, Neelix was is kind of in danger of being the Jar Jar Binks of Star Trek. He was. They wrote him out halfway through the last season. Well, and, and <laughs> it's funny, too, because Not quite in, in the Big Bang Theory, during the feud, Sheldon refers to Will Wheaton as the Jar Jar Binks of Star Trek. <laughs> Which is it's a great line. Yeah. And by the way, just I, I gotta go ahead and say this. Didn't really like Jar Jar. They did a. I, he was a little more when they would use him sparingly in the Clone Wars series. He was a little better. Yeah. Actually, gave some shit for him to do. Yes. But but there. Um, all the, the, the you gotta feel bad for what, what was his name? Ahmad Best. Ahmad Best, yeah. The poor guy was like contemplating suicide because of I all know. that. You feel oh. bad. I mean, the guy was basically doing what he basically with what he had, and like dealing with what Lucas wanted. Uh, Him but, and yeah. Jake Lloyd. I mean, they were they were devastated by by the Phantom Menace. I mean, their lives were completely upended. Yeah, and it uh, was. It was rough too, and Jake Lloyd's had a lot of issues coming from that, and that that's rough, and, and you feel bad too. I mean, I'd be lying if I said he gave the strongest acting performance, but he was also eight, nine years old. <laughs> he was good for what a kid could do at that point. The problem was. You probably shouldn't have had a kid that age at such a focal point for such a major franchise. You know what I mean? It was hard when they they came up with that idea. Yeah. Well, it was all. Uh, I mean, it was all awkward. I mean, Padme being ten years or fifteen years older than Anakin, and just she was supposed to be like twelve. She was, was really she? Like, yeah, she was like they're like they had Naboo. This is weird. Naboo has like child queens, which is strange. She yeah, okay. A, another thing from George Lucas, by the way. Yeah. Like, so I mean, Padme was only was supposed to be I don't know maybe sixteen. Anywhere, but no, I think she was really more like twelve or thirteen years old, supposed to be. <sighs> so I mean, okay. and Jake Lloyd's eight. So Anakin's eight. Yeah, so it makes the whole love story later in life less disgusting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but when you when, when you when you realize, like, based on the timelines, that like Anakin Skywalker is like during the Clone Wars is like. By the time the Clone Wars ends at three years later, it's like no more than 20 or 21 years old. Yeah, like 21, 22, something like that. Yeah, you're right. Let's say he was eight, and then Clone Wars, Attack of the Clones is 10 years later, right? Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Well, and I then mean, three years later, it was Revenge of the Sith. Well, it's, it's kind of Game of Thrones. All the characters, like a lot, so many of the main characters were literal teenagers. If you read the book. Like Daenerys is like fourteen years old in this start, and like Jon Snow is like 
15 or 16 and I mean, so I can buy the- that though because it's like a feudal fantasy situation whereas this is supposed to be more advanced right science based societies, you know, even though there's no science in Star Wars. When they tried to explain how a, a capacitor works in Starkiller Base, I'm like, oh, they're really trying to give some kind of explanation here, aren't they? Metachlorines, <laughs> man. Metachlorines. <laughs> they're trying to make science out of the hokey, <laughs> hokey religions and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so they ran young. They, they and this is all in George Lucas's head. He decided that Naboo ran young when it came to their 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 queens. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> Just... And then they become senators. She's how old as a senator? She's well. Leia was like a senator at like. 17 years old. Oh my god. I just ugh. remember in in episode five and uh in in a new hope, Luke and Lair are supposed to be like 18 years old. No, I knew that. I, no, and, and that's fine. That's that makes sense. 18, you're kind of like pushing the pushing the nest, like I want to get out of here. Like you know, maybe you're 19 and, you know, 22 years ago, you left for, for college by leaving your home clear across the country this very week. I don't know. I don't know. I might be, I, you know, I might be. Uh, what do you call it? Um, projecting. Yes. But I might not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But, yeah, it does get a little weird. And, I mean, let's look at, let's look at, and folks, we're, we're not shitting all over just the Phantom Menace or, or the prequels, okay? Because <laughs> there's a lot to like about them. There is, and, and actually, I walked out of that at, movie loving it. Well, definitely they could have used somebody writing better dialogue. Yeah, I think they they tried working on that in in uh, Attack of the Clones. Um, maybe not. I don't know because uh, Padme's uh, Padme become became a very wooden figure, um, in Attack of the Clones and especially Revenge of the Sith. It definitely in Revenge of the Sith. I don't think so in Attack of the Clones. Uh, well, I mean, she was in the battle. She was yeah. She was. And, you know, this is where it comes a missed opportunity. You see her in episode one and two kicking ass and taking names. Mm-hmm. Where you can see, yeah, that's Leia's mom. Yeah. But when she goes to being kind of barefoot and pregnant and sidelined for her time in Revenge of the Sith and then, like, dies. Yeah, baby. I know there's a lot of additional source material that is saying things like Palpatine drained her life force to save Vader. 
That's oh, what. is that is that a is that a fan theory? I think it's. I think it's been or is it in the book. I it, I'm trying to remember if it was in the novelization of Revenge of the Sith where it hints at that. Hmm. It's definitely a better answer than. <laughs> she lost the will to live. <laughs> I mean, we all know that there is such things as broken heart syndrome and people have died. Oh, absolutely. But it just, it doesn't fit with the character that they were showing us in the first two movies. She is a, she's a woman who led, uh, you know, read a resistance against the oppressors of her planet. She brokered a deal with with a with a, the other sentient species on her planet that they didn't really get along until then mm-hmm. she she basically helped call out the fucking uh, current administration in Coruscant for yeah not helping and brought about a shift of power she was you know by her late teens, early 20s, one of the most powerful and respected senators in the Galactic Republic. Well, she initiated the vote of no confidence, yeah. I mean, manipulated So much so that she becomes the target of of intergalactic assassins? Yeah. I mean, you, you see her much like Leia would try to at times basically like she's breaking out of her chains She's trying to save herself. Like, what about Padme? Oh, I think she's doing okay. She's like, you know, is I don't know if she's using a hairpin or something, but she yeah. breaks her own locks. And she's uh-huh. like, and she's up there. She's the only non-force user in the whole fight on the good guy's side and lives. I mean, it is plot armor, of course, but still. <laughs> But you're right. Uh, she does have a certain fall from grace in her in her strong leadership ability. I mean, she's just relegated to the background, and it's a loss of a good character. She's relegated to being the 1940s, 1950s wife of the soldier abroad. Oh, I mm-hmm. miss you so much. And, and uh, you're breaking my heart. I, I I had to say it. I had to get it out. I ha- it was in there, and I had to get it out. I'm well, sorry. the fact that she she went and hugged him after he slaughtered an entire village of people, <laughs> does, does, <laughs> including does the children. Hmm? Yeah. And then I she could fix him. <laughs> she could fix him. They. They didn't. They did some. They did Padme dirty. Yep. Yet another character that got even that just got better when used in the Clone Wars. Yeah, agreed. And actually, side note, not a critique or anything, but I can't help but notice: is the voice of Padme in the Clone Wars? Does she have a slight lisp? I don't think so. I but feel what, like 
there's something there. There, there's, uh, there's, there's some kind of, there's uh, something that maybe it's not like in, the American English or the American accent is not her primary accent or something. I feel like because no, there's sure just she, something off. I'm pretty sure she's an American actor because one of my kids favorite tv shows is called the loud house on nickelodeon oh and does she do that show she does i know it well she's she's uh, oh you know you know oh i know the loud house yeah she's she's the voice of Lori loud the oldest kid oh that's her yeah and after i put that together i couldn't unhear it anytime like boo-boo bear Don't do this. <laughs> Lori Loud. I'm looking up Lori Loud right now. There's so many L names. Catherine Tabor. Best known for playing Padme Amidala in The Clone Wars and Lori Loud in The Loud House. She's not even one of the first listed here. Hmm. She starred in a movie with Will Wheaton and Saleh Moonfry. What? No. Yep. What movie would that have been? Because I need to watch it. Called The Girls' uh, Girls Room. Girls' Room. All right, looking that one up. The Girls' Room. Needless to say, after I found out that she was Lori Loud, I... um, I couldn't unhear the voice at times. <laughs> but, I, but well, I could see that, yeah. But yeah. So anyway, Padme definitely a character that that did got done dirty. You know? Um, you know how else got done dirty? We've already talked about Finn. Um, yeah, but Captain Seriously. Phasma. Yeah, you 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 cast Brienne of Tarth, and then you just there shove was, her down a trash was, compactor in the first. And then she falls into a pit of of explosion, in the second one. I mean, there's no we didn't get to see any kind of strategic um, intelligence. We didn't get to see her be a formidable opponent. She was supposedly wearing armor of Naboo craft. As uh, you know, as her uniform, she got there for a reason, and yet we saw none of that. I guess Gwendolyn Christie appeared in the in the the lead up cartoon Star Wars Resistance, which was another film, yeah. but it only lasted like two seasons. I thought it was a little odd. It was kind of an anime, kind of almost anime style. I gotta be um, honest with you. I am the yeah. superficial, the anime, the animation style, not the anime style, the animation style completely turned me off. And I didn't, I didn't even bother. Notice how Filoni didn't go back to that. When he was... Yeah. So, yeah, I completely agree. It was just, it, it didn't really do much for me, but I guess she came back as Phasma appeared a few times in that show. And I think Gwendolyn Christie performed it at least once or twice. Oscar Isaac came back as Poe at least once or twice for that mm-hmm. show, too. 
Well, we got to see the beginning of the resistance, right? Was it the formation so of the resistance or or the rise no, of the first order or you got to see some of the basically it was like an intel mission, like gathering information on the first order uh, for Leia, who was uh, Leia and Poe who were early members of the resistance. Boo. Boo. Like I mean, that's the other nah, thing. Boo. That's the other thing. All right, we're going to have to switch gears from Star Wars at some point here. But <laughs> the the whole First Order, we never knew how they got started. We never knew where they came from. They just were there. As if everything that happened at the end of Revenge of the Jedi didn't mean crap. Turn? Hmm? Return of the Jedi? Did I say that? I, I, did I say revenge? Yes. Oops. Yeah. Well, I hear those posters are like worth a mint now. Yes. Revenge and of the, the Jedi. The funny thing is, I guess the original name of the movie was Return of the Jedi. Re- revenge it, of the Jedi. Then it was Revenge of the Jedi. Oh. Then both with the Wrath of Khan coming out and not wanting to be compared too favorably to that and Mm -hmm. the fact that Jedi don't want revenge or they shouldn't. Revenge is not the Jedi way. (laughs) Darth Vader in the epic Rebels episode Twilight of the Apprentice. But yeah, yeah, so apparently one of the common myths is that Revenge of the Jedi was actually the original name of it. It was the one that was the original um, preview name, and then they changed it. But apparently, it was Re- Return of the Jedi at one point, or it was something. It was the original name was not Revenge of the Jedi. Interesting. Well, okay then. Uh, apparently, I learned something new today, and that's why we have this podcast. It is. <laughs> Why we're, we're so epic. But, I mean, we could have at least, like, seen some kind of, like, oh, military order where we see Phasma on the ground and she kicks ass, like, just destroying the resistance left and right rather than being tricked into these <laughs> traps yeah. and everything. They could just, have let her... They could have let her lead the massacre of the village but they let kylo ren do that the very right they should i mean they should exact they shouldn't have had kylo ren come out until later or just never had they should just never had phasma in the first place i mean that's the thing i there were too many characters that they were trying to push in here and that's bad robots problem because they wanted to cash in on all these original characters that bad robot had licensing for for um you know toy purposes and things like that that was bad robot very bad robot well and you know what let's get on a bad robot because freaking bad robot is a franchise destroyer man like good god apparently there is a kelvin universe tv show be in early development why 
do we need that? Like, why have that at all? Like, I, I don't know. Uh, really? I just saw uh, a report. I also saw a report this week stating that Chris Evans might have signed back with the MCU. Seen a couple of different reports coming out that he may appear in Secret Wars. Interesting. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot going on right now, and it's 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 all really hush hush, and I it feels weird. Like between what's going on with WB and and them axing Batgirl, but they're still doing like a, a a rest in peace screening of it. Um. But there were reports that they deleted the whole thing, like lost for posterity. Did you hear about that? Yeah, that that's that's messed up. I, I mean, the entire idea that they would delete it, I found implausible. But everyone was saying they deleted the whole thing so nothing would ever get leaked. Like, oh, and that's the that's the danger of having no physical medium, right? It just. I I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I thought it felt icky to me. I can get behind the idea that a movie is irreparable and don't want to release it for damaging the brand. But what they're doing after this by allowing The Flash and the issues with Ezra Miller, it's not... Hashtag Grant Gustin. It's not not consistent. No, do hashtag Wally West. Just bring in Wally West, man. No, fuck that. I... I just say, because what always what always bothered me with DC is that they completely ignored some of the great performers doing characters in the Berlantiverse, the Arrowverse. I really think that they they screwed it up. Well, yeah, but I mean that's the egos at at Warner Brothers. The people in the movie division didn't want to. They didn't want to consult the people in the TV division because they would have looked weak. So uh, that's Hollywood for you. <laughs> Just... Well, and, and, and of course, Disney and Marvel wanted you to think that they were all on the same page with the, the, the TV and the Netflix. Mm-hmm. But we had the same exact problem, didn't we? With Marvel Entertainment versus Marvel Studios. Well, Marvel TV versus Marvel Studios, definitely. But here's the thing that Marvel gave it like its tacit approval, like Joss Whedon's brother did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And yeah, well, Joss Whedon was he helped develop the whole thing. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then they bring in like actors and characters from the movies into some of these shows. And then Kevin Feige's like, you know what? Remember how we were? These were supposed to be tied in. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he well, just got disinterested after like the first couple of years. He didn't. He didn't have control over what was happening on the TV side, so he couldn't. And and that's a that is a problem. And while everything is now under the one auspices, which I think it's good. Yes. Because now you have. I mean. You'll have a character like you'll have WandaVision directly impact a movie like 
in the multiverse of madness. Yeah. They'll have a character who's shown first time in a TV show like uh, Ms. Marvel mm-hmm. become, or and and uh, what is it? Photon? Isn't that what Monica Rambeau? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's Captain Photon or just Photon. Yeah, but. Which that was weird. I wish that they had spent more time on on her transformation at the end of uh, WandaVision. We might see something more on that somewhere else, too. Probably in secret, secret invasion. Maybe. Probably. I thought Probably she see was more great. of Ms. Marvel. Which, and, and they're all going to appear in these movies. You get, uh, I mean, you get Edwin Jarvis, who only appeared in the Agent Carter. He actually did get, a, he did get, to, uh, James Darcy got to play <laughs> Jarvis one line. in, in um, Endgame, which was, I thought it was nice. It actually kind of brought. Do you know why, though? Because Feige executive produced agent carter so he was he was throwing darcy a bone because that's all his people and it's funny though because you saw you know like they they prepped agent carter being spun off with a couple of appearances by peggy carter in flashbacks of agents of shield <laughs> yeah, they so, did. <laughs> we got to see little- all the howling commandos you got to see two Howling Commandos. You got to see um, the guy from Jim, Fresno, Jim Marita and Dum Dum Dugan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess they have everyone in here. I'm from Fresno. <laughs> By the way, I, who is that? Kenneth Choi? Is that his name? The actor? I don't know. Um, I, I can look I, it up, but I think so because he's. Well, he was the principal in Spider-Man: Homecoming. He basically he was, played his he own playing a great grandson or something like that. Or great, yeah, yeah. Which I thought that was a neat little tie-in. That was cool. Um, Agreed. Let's see. What am I? What am I looking up? Uh, I'll do Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, and then, yeah, Kenneth Choi. Jim Morita. Yep. And then Wait. does he play Principal Morita? That is, yep. yeah. Principal Morita. Yep. So there Which, you go. Actually, I think it's, it's pretty cool. You know, it, it, I like that. Yep. A lot. And Troy previous, yeah, he basically just plays his dad with a shave or his grandson with a shave. <laughs> <laughs> he's, oh. he's also. One of my favorite characters on the on the Fox show Nine One One. Oh yeah, I uh, I'm I'm gonna be that a hole and say we don't watch a lot of network television anymore, and I want to fix that. I really oh, do. Nine One One is great. Uh, the last time we really watched something for I'm and I'm saying formulaic, not to not to demean it. Trust me, I'm not saying that uh, it that way. But something, you know, something like that was Grey's Anatomy. And then it just kind of all the tragedy just kind of burned us out. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I get it. Nine one one can can kind of be like that, but they have great characters. Oh yeah, no, and it's I did Hulu, see an man. episode or two. Well, you've you've got Angela Bassett, who's still killing it. Oh, you'd be and, a, you'd be a fool not to to say she isn't. And, I mean that's well, double negative. Peter Krause. They're they're the two leads of the show, and then. The, the Lone Star spinoff isn't bad with uh, with Rob Lowe. Yeah, Rob Lowe and um, <clears throat> Liv Tyler, right? Liv Tyler was in the first season, but then she left. Mike's like Connie Britton was in the first season of 911 and left. Now they have. Oh, she Forrest. left the second. She left the first after the first season. Yeah. Connie Britton did. Yep. Oh, that's a shame. You think it was a, a, a pandemic thing? I bet it was a pandemic thing. No, because the, the first season was like 2017. Never no, mind. I, I think <clears throat> I, she. I think she only signed on for like a limited role. But on Lone Star, the the secondary lead has become Gina Torres. Ooh. Oh, I love Gina Torres. Yeah. Cleopatra, twenty five, twenty five. Zoe. Yeah. From- I know, and then and Firefly, Firefly. <laughs> and uh, oh, she was an angel. She was. I didn't know that. She was one of the. Oh, big that makes sense, though. Joss Whedon. <laughs> well, if you if you look in the first season or so of um, Agents of Shield, you saw a lot of Whedon veterans. In yes. The show. Gina Torres. And by yep. the way, we need to see more Maria Hill in the MCU. Can can we get some more Maria Hill, please? You read my mind, man. She's one of my favorites. Because uh, I mean, I I love I love that agent. She is completely she completely outclasses most of the characters in there. She actually had a couple. She had like one really good episode. As like almost like a primary character in Agents of Shield season one. It basically it's supposed to take place like the episode is basically within the weeks between after after the fall of Shield when she basically yep. goes to work for Stark. Um, yeah, and just before it, it leads, it's like it might be two episodes before the season finale of Agents of Shield where she catches up with Colson and helps them out and she yeah she's pretty she's pretty good in that one um I always got a bit I was a big fan of her and one of the things that I hope isn't true that there's been some rumors floating around is that Maria Hill has always been a Skrull that she's always been a Skrull yes I hope that's not true at all Tala or Talia or whatever her name is yeah. I just, by the way, there's too many Talos. Well, it's Talos, <laughs> right? Isn't that? The... Well, Talos is the is the the guy. What's his name? Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn. By the way, um, he is pretty damn hysterical as Talos. When he's actually playing Talos in, in Captain Marvel. First of all, uh, um... Who would have expected that? Because he plays such severe characters. At least, 
Okay, I'm not too familiar with his his screen history, but I mean Rogue One, and there was something else that he was in, well known and seen, where he was a very severe character. He played the King of England in, I think, Darkest Hours. I think, which was yeah, but uh, that's not a bad guy necessarily. Well, depends it's, on it who was you talk to, it was but. definitely stuffy. Um, Ben Mendelsohn. Daggett. Oh, God. He's an Animal King. He was an Animal Kingdom. Oh, Ready Player One. That guy. Yeah. Like the Steve Jobs kind of guy. But not. Um, Yeah. And then he he, he's a comic relief, basically, in in, in (laughs) Captain Marvel. Yeah. He was good in that. Uh, yeah. What are you looking I'm a up? Fan. I'm a fan. Talos and Keller. I need to know who. Young Carol at loss. Monica Rambeau. Holy crow, the actress who played Monica Rambeau at 11 years old is like, has it been that long since they filmed it? Because she's practically an adult now. 20, when was this, started filming probably 2018. They did, because they filmed up, up in the mountains by here and they were doing a casting call for extras around here. Um, I put my name in, but they didn't call me. It was supposed to be um, at the military base. Mm. So. uh, I'm not sure where they filmed that here. I know that where they filmed the. um, The crash and then the ultimate. The the start of the battle between Marvell and him or her. Mm -hmm. uh, That was over at. um, Shoot. Was no, it was over at um, the lake. What's the lake? It's. Oh, my God. Shaver Lake. Mm-hmm. Very popular lake around here. And you go up there when it's in the winter and you can go uh, sledding and everything up there. But, I mean, it's like 45 minutes away. It's not far. So. Yeah. Dead air. Anyway, that was an aside. Um, <laughs> so Ben Mendelsohn. Grinds my gears that we don't see him enough. Well, we'll get to see him. He's going to be in Secret Invasion. But getting back to Maria Hill, you're right. We don't get enough of her. No, that's right. It started out with Maria Hill, didn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she's she been a favorite of mine, especially how Kobe Smulders portrays her. She's she's really good at it. I I really liked her in Winter Soldier. I think that's where you see the most out of her. I'm trying to think. Was she in Winter Soldier? I mean, obviously she was, but... Yeah, she had a pretty decent-sized part. Huh. Oh, yeah. She she's was there part when... part of Nick Fury's when... Resistance. I mean, she's technically yeah. like one of the deputy directors of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. it's. I need to re-watch that movie, because that's such a great movie. The she's, the one who, she's the one who rescues Cap, Sam, and Natasha from... The strike team. 
Yes, he does. Again, badassness on behalf of Maria Hill. Yes. So, okay, so here's the thing. Yeah. If the theory is that Maria Hill is, in fact, the female Skrull, and she's always been that, which entirely possible, why is it that she has shown such competence and and above-the-board abilities in all these movies, but in Far From Home, she and Talos got outclassed by uh, Mysterio. Yeah, I'm really hoping that this, that's just a case of it not actually being Maria Hill. That's what I want, just in that movie, in that one movie. Because I think Maria Hill and Fury would have caught on that this was Mysterio's deal. Yes. You know, and one of the things, you know, that that I think was underserved, there was um, leading up to Age of Ultron, particularly when they started releasing some of the footage, there was some thoughts that maybe Steve Rogers would be hooking up with Maria Hill. Mm. It was big on the fan fiction circle. <laughs> Especially yeah. after the whole thing with Romanoff where he's like, this wasn't my first kiss since 1945. And yeah. then you hear like when they're, when he's getting, um, when he's, really fucked up on the last helicarrier and he gives her the order to fire and she refers to everybody by like their last name or whatever and she kind of chokes out his name Steve yeah yeah and then they show footage well and then the uh, age of Ultron you see a lot of people thought oh that's in the party scene when they're all sitting around doing lifting the um, lifting the hammer you're like, oh God, is that is that Cap's brown jacket that she's wearing? Because she was wearing like a brown leather jacket. And oh yeah, and he had it on earlier. He had a leather jacket on earlier. Yeah. And okay. You know, one of their uncut scenes uh, is one of the ones where he tells her, you know, if I thought Ultron was actually uh, really committed to peace, I'd hang up my shield. Then she kind of looks at him like, really? <laughs> there was definitely some some uh, fan uh, vibes about that. I mean, I'm very happy that he went back and got his you know romance on with Peggy. I thought that was pretty good, but that would have been an interesting thing to see. I mean, uh, Joss Whedon was definitely throwing left field out there with Banner and Romanoff. <laughs> I don't think that was ever alluded to in the comics, ever. No. I mean, but if you look at what how they kind of did Natasha Romanoff and Scarlett Johansson dirty, look at her consecutive appearances up to about Age of Ultron. In her first appearance, you see her, and of course she's she's shown flirting with Iron Man. Yep. Of course, it's all part of recover, but still. Quite well, by the this, way. And this was, of course, the thing that got uh, Jeremy Renner almost fucking canceled. 
when he called when they asked him the when Conan asked him the question, he's like, uh, "Slut." He's like, "Conan, yeah. there were six people and you slept with four of them. You'd be a slut." It's like, "Yeah, that's not good." Slut shaming. <laughs> and then, of course, in in oh, the original boy. Avengers, there was a lot of people who thought there was something between Romanoff and Barton because you know when you know Coulson's like calling her when she's in the middle of the interrogation. He's like, yeah, idiot's giving me everything. He's like, Barton's been compromised. She's like, I'm on my way. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's true. She's kind of flirting with Cap and Winter Soldier, you think? Uh, so, and then of course, then you're on to Banner. So somebody's like, oh, is Thor next? But well, it's funny because I feel like in the explanation for captain is that she was just trying to to butter him up to have him take put down his guard but by his very nature he would not she if you watch her through most of the movie she's really just busting his chops the whole time she busts his chops and she's trying to set him up on dates the only time they have anything close to intimacy is when they're hiding from the strike team that's true yeah, I was trying to put something there. That... Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I was trying to put something there that didn't need to be put there. You're right. And one of the things I do like about the MCU is that, and of course, maybe it's just because you have Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson who have starred in like a dozen plus movies together. But... You know, that it would be inter- um They kind of gave Natasha and Steve this close friendship, which never seemed to be sexual. No. No, they did not. So. I and I think, of, I think, go ahead. And I think that's nice, by the way. I do too. She She kind of had a, the relationship she had with Clint was, one of like gratitude, you know. Oh yeah. He opted not to kill her and that sort of thing. So, in some ways, there's a a life debt there. A <laughs> little bit, yeah. She's she's Chewbacca to his Han Solo. <laughs> oh God. But by the way, I don't know if you knew this. Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson started a movie in 2004 together, The Perfect Score. Yeah, no, they've they've starred in a couple of movies together prior to the Avengers. Yeah, so they they were like, I don't know if you've seen photos of them behind the scenes, but I mean they they they're practically like brother and sister, like almost. The, what was it? A video? Wasn't there like a picture of them like playing old school Game Boys together? Yeah, yeah, and she like had her. I forget how it worked out, but like, like they were sitting almost on top of each other, or but not in a not in a an intimate way. It was just a, a comforting way, you know. Yeah, like family. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, which, I don't know. but but which was nice to see, you know, because like, and you see it in Civil War when they're literally on the opposite sides of the argument, and. She goes to the funeral, and he's like, well, what are you doing here? She's like, I didn't want you to be alone. You know, that she's a good, 
they're good friends. They, mm-hmm. and then she lets him go on his mission to, to Siberia, you know? Yeah. And then what does she, what does she do later? She joins his crusade of, uh, secret Avengers. <laughs> yeah, basically. The nomads. They, they, they make it seem like it's him, Wanda, Sam, and uh, Natasha, but you never see Wanda in any of. In in the lead up comics, she's she's never really there. She's always like running off to hook up with Vision. Mm-hmm. But the three of them come in and they kick those two aliens' ass to save Wanda and Vision, two of the most powerful Avengers. I, I thought it was great that it was those three that made the difference uh, against the two strongest Avengers. I, I mean, really. <laughs> but here's the thing. Those three are also much better fighters than the other two. True. And that's that's the difference right there between um, Zod and, and, and Superman. Yeah. Zod will win in a fight because he knows finesse. Superman just knows brute strength. Just like how uh, Thanos beat the crap out of Hulk. Yep. And it was so cool to watch Sam, Natasha, and Cap work together in that like one little minute fight scene. They're they're like tossing things to each other. It was kind of it was kind of the neat part about the fight against the Ultron bots in the uh, in the beginning of Age of Ultron when they all break through during the fight scene and like. Clint's like tossing Cap's uh, Cap his shield like a straight boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, it, it, War it's was nice such to see movie. the Hulk, Black Widow, and Hawkeye actually get some character development and their own projects, or at least more bigger parts. Like technically, right. Banner doesn't have his, you know. Mark Ruffalo doesn't have his own project yet, but. Apparently, episode two alludes to a whole bunch of new stuff in the future for Ruffalo. Hey, slash great. Bruce Banner. Great. He, he's which really I'm fine he's with. actually the only member of the original Avengers who has not headlined his own stuff yet. <laughs> he really <laughs> is. You're right. <laughs> But they do acknowledge like a whole bunch of stuff from the Incredible Hulk. Uh, I mean, Emil Blonsky, of course, is in it. But hey, and, they, and, that, and I haven't seen this episode yet. But that's one of the things I liked about that. What was it? Maybe episode two or three of of What If, where like, what if all the Avengers die? And they're showing the scenes from the from the Incredible Hulk from the Incredible with, Hulk with, at, with at the university. Voice. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that too. That was a nice little, you know, uh, retcon. Yeah, it would have been cool. Uh, I don't know if you have like Don Cheadle redo doing the voice of Rhodey from the original Iron Man. Yeah, you you, you kind of just got to put all of Don Cheadle <laughs> in there, not just not just a voice, man. That would. Uh, yeah, but I meant be... in in what if. You know what I mean? Did they show Rhodey at all in What If? They did. Remember, Killmonger murdered him in, when he was um, Tony Stark's protege and then creates the war between That's the right, yeah. So one of, 
he murders Rhodey and frames the Wakandans, but he, that he also murders Ch- uh, T'Challa in the same thing. Mm-hmm. God, Killmonger is so devious, and he's right up there with Koya from Stargate Atlantis, and you don't know anything about that, but watching that episode of Killmonger just win and win it just frustrated me to no end. Well, it's kind and of it was like, the same way as the Stargate Atlantis episode um, when they when they fought the Janai. Um, I don't know if it was season two. I think it was at the end of season one of, of Stargate Atlantis, but it was a very frustrating deal, too. Well, that's one of the that's one of the cool but frustrating things about watching the Clone Wars when you realize that either way things turn out, Palpatine wins. That's true. It's a completely pointless war. When when you're watching the, you know, the Jedi think they've won, but really they just set off a different branch plan of Palpatine's grand yeah. team. Yeah. And it, and there's always like occasionally these little allusions to the the victory that the Republic thinks they have is is not really a victory. No, it's true. You're right. Oh. So what's my motivation to watch Clone Wars again? <laughs> because it's that good. I know, I know. I'm being facetious, of course. But, uh... <laughs> oh, that's a selling point. Well, I mean, for starters, it, it, it it's just good. I mean, it, it, that's... You can't really say much more than that. It, it's just that fucking good. All right. Yes. They literally managed to get seven plus seasons out of it, spinning off directly the Bad Batch and Rebels, where like they've continued plot lines from the Clone Wars in Rebels. And Bad Batch is like, it's one of those memes, is like the Prove Me Wrong memes. Bad Batch season one is really Clone Wars season eight, Prove Me Wrong. <laughs> Uh, no, that <laughs> ought to tell you just how good and how passionate the fan base is about that show. Is that we want more? We'd take a season nine or, or a season a true season eight of Clone Wars if they give us one. So, here's my question: Why is it that the writing is so good for Clone Wars, but? Man, is it hit and miss when it comes to the live action stuff. Well, Filoni and Favreau controlled the Mandalorian, so the writing's been pretty good in that. Other people are helming and running the shows. Yeah. So Robert Rodriguez was the showrunner for Book of Boba Fett, and Obi Wan was what Deborah Chow. Yes. So That's correct. their vision. Now, technically, they're all falling under the umbrella. Of, but look, at it goes back to, to Voyager versus Deep Space Nine. Mm, yeah. Now, how was the, the writing that much better in Deep Space Nine at times than it was in Voyager? Ronald Dean Moore. Oh. And it, Michael Pillar. But Michael Pillar left Deep Space Nine to go to Voyager. Well, um, I stand corrected. Ronald D. Moore 
It's just Ronald D. Moore that did Iris it. Stephen Bear? Oh, that's who I meant. Yeah, Iris Stephen Bear. Ronald D. Moore was part of it, but did he? He only did he only did he go to Voyager at all? No, no, he was. I don't think he ever show ran uh, DS Nine, but he no, was, he didn't show run. I just meant, did he write? Yeah. No, I don't think he did. I think he strictly was with DS Nine. He had started on the next gen, and then he went to DS Nine. I don't, I don't know how many of the DS9 writers went to, to Voyager, but clearly Voyager had some excellent episodes, and then it, it didn't. Year of Hell, fantastic. That should have been the whole uh, season, which it was supposed to be. But right. Um, that basically they got they got that when they did the Zindi War, the Zindi Arc and Enterprise. Star Trek finally. That's true. Comes. They also had better computer graphics at that point too. Yeah. Which you know, when you look back on the the, if you go to Paramount Plus and you pull up a, an Enterprise episode, I mean that's full on HD, baby. That came out in two thousand one. All those graphics HD. You compare it to Babylon 5, which was in standard definition. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing what they did in 2001 for HD computer graphics. Oh, I know. I know. Just And um, yeah, the Babylon 5 graphics are a product of the time, but the story's still good. Story's still good. I can let the graphics go, by the way, because I know the, the context, but... It's just it just makes it more impressive what they did and how forward thinking they were with Enterprise and and the technology. Although they still had CD racks on their desks. (laughs) What on the Enterprise Uh, on 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 Enterprise? Yeah. (laughs) Captain still had CD racks. You don't know this. Did you notice that at all? I mean, they could have been anything, but they were definitely CD racks with CD jewel cases in them. Hey, so the Jim Hadar fucking rifles were the Nerf bow and arrows folded down and painted black and gray. Son of a gun, you're right. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, son of a gun. Now I got to look that up. The, the rifle you said? I think so, yeah. Gem hey, star. the uh, the communicator that uh, Qui Gon Jinn was speaking into in in the Phantom Menace was a lady's razor. I knew that without the razor on it, it, ba- yeah. just, it was just the lady's razor with the head removed. Yeah, just <laughs> hey, I mean, even for I, a big saw, budget I, movie, yeah, you I make can't remember what, you get. what I what I was watching, but I was watching something that was talking about kit bashing and how they like used highlighters to make to add like gray highlighters to attach to a couple of the kit bash starships they used in the graveyard at um, wolf three five nine and stuff like that and you know we think oh my god this model's great and it turns out it's like a it's like a fucking kit bash enterprise <laughs> like yeah from a model store 
Yeah, you go to the yeah, and they they filmed that. They filmed that. I don't see how this used to be a uh, the Jem'Hadarp rifle used to be a, a a bow and arrow thing. It was something. It was a Nerf something. Huh. Let's see. Here we go. Stark's Jem'Hadarp rifle RPG. Nope. Nope. It doesn't matter. Dead air. It's a bunch of dead air. So anyway, what are you looking up? Oh, I, I'm I'm trying to remember. I know I saw it on something. They it cracks me up with with some of them. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I, I could have sworn that it, it was something like that. Uh, but I could be full of shit. It happens. Well, it is what it is. So. What else grinds your gears? Um, I already talked about the episode Outcast, right? The Outcast. The Outcast. Is, oh, is that the one from DS9? When... No, TNG. Oh, that's what I meant, TNG? Yeah. Were, uh, were they called the Janai? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I think they were called the Janai as well. Oh, look at that. Two, two alien species. One in um, Stargate Atlantis, the other TNG called yeah. the Janai. Interesting. Well, these Janai were androgynous. Uh, but, uh, what irritated me about the episode, um, by the way, the message got through for a 12 year old me very well. Um, my problem was it was just on all the time in the summer for some reason, all the time. And it got really repetitive, really quick. And there you go. That's my constructive feedback. It was on too much. <laughs> oh. I would literally see it and I just turn the pay, uh, turn the channel. I'm like, oh, God, I can't. It's probably the 25th time I've seen it. Not this again. Yeah, something like that. So good times. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else that grinds your gears coming up on? Uh, coming up at the turn of the hour pretty soon well you know things that have frustrated me too is i understand that we don't need to be 100 percent beholden to canon but could we at least make it seem like it's a con some consistency here i mean that's uh, that's one of the things that really kind of Irked me a bit about season one of Discovery was just how, I mean, the spore drive was like more advanced than anything we'd seen all the way up to fucking Picard. Well, I mean, we talked about it, and when you fight Cannon with Cannon, right? But, but you, you know, are correct. I mean, I would like a little consistency. I'm not saying it has to be 100% lockstep. I can still enjoy. Scotty and Jordy beaming off the Janolan with the shields up. 
<laughs> yeah, we can get by that. I mean, it's Miles O'Brien you know, proved the, in the, the wounded frequencies. That, yeah, Miles O'Brien proved in the wounded that if you have a good transporter chief, you can you can find a way to get through shields. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that that would work, and and that was a 70, 80 year old ship at the very least, probably a hundred years old. I mean. So, yeah, you would know the phase variance protocols for the shielding. Exactly. So. So. Yeah, you know, I, I have. One of the things that has bothered me recently is. I like look at this and I'm not trying to shit 100 percent on discovery, but look at discoveries supporting cast like their bridge crew. You get through two plus seasons before you really get to learn anything about any of these people on the bridge. Yeah, I mean, I still don't know any other names beyond Michael, Book, and Tilly. And Book isn't even a member of their crew. At least he wasn't when I stopped watching. Yeah. I don't even know Tsukataro's character's name. And she's like, you know, there. I know Paul Stamets, but it only because I know the scientist Paul Stamets. It's uh, Jet Reno. No. 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 The last time I told you what her character's name was, you gave me that. I'm like, I like this song. I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance. Not Janet (laughs) Reno. I know, but I'm thinking thinking of Will Ferrell playing Janet Reno. No, because I mean, Tignataro is not is not that, which I, I, <laughs> it's such a weird dichotomy. Look, it, and, and and yeah, okay. So here's something else that drives me nuts about that: the fucking, it, who does what on that ship? <laughs> Well, I mean, there's the girl with the eye. She sits up front. Um, is there chief of security somewhere? Like, is there? Is, is there? Not anymore. I mean, first officer anywhere? Um, well, they rotate through captains and first officers on that ship like it's fucking yeah. candy. True. What about ops or science officer? Do they have that? They never established any of that crap, did they? No, you've got. Uh, Detmer, she's the one with the eye. Um, she's she's the pilot. She's the helmsman, I guess. And that's about it, because she was like in episode one because she was on the Shenzo with Saru and Michael, and that's where she lost her eye. So right, she's been around since the beginning, but even still, she's had very little character development. I mean, it's criminal with what O'Brien I've seen. O'Brien had more character development in the 30-odd or 20-odd episodes he was in the first few seasons of The Next Generation. It really is criminal with how they've treated that girl's character. I mean, it's just, or not, like, not treated it at all. Like, it's just, Almost I don't know character. anyone. And I don't, I mean, I don't care about any of that crew. There's no reason to. 
I care a lot more about Strange New Worlds' crew. Yeah. I mean, there is a certain familiarity that, that comes out of that, obviously. But There's still. Them, yeah. I mean, you know, we know more about Nurse Chapel than we ever did in the original series. And I'm enjoying that representation of that character, actually. I, more than I thought. More than I thought. Yeah. And then she's uh, she's, she's a little mariner y little bit. I mean, yeah, but with a lot more in the way of restraint. Yes, I do wish that they would show a little bit more professionalism. Uh, while on duty. <laughs> Where, uh, Ortegas, yeah. I'm looking at you, Ortegas. I'm like, and I can remember Ortegas. I can remember Dr. Mbega. I can remember. Um, you know, the, the not Tellerite guy, but the, um, you know, Anar guy, the Anar. I was just thinking about that. Justice today. for Hammer, man. I know. Hammer. That guy is deaf. That was, that's something that bugged me about Stranger Two Worlds, just how criminally underutilized Hammer was. He had so many, so much potential. Um, yes. And they really should have kept him on more. No, which I, I who he, knows where they're going, because maybe he's maybe he's not dead. There's nobody. Oh, God. Ugh. You're right. But who? Oh, I don't even want to think about how they're going to treat that. That'd be awful. Transporter clone mirror universe. <sighs> Let's not go back to the mirror universe. I've had an asshole of the mirror universe, please. Like we need a that's little, the we, other thing. We just need better mirror universe too, though. Yes, we do. Like just <laughs> in a mirror darkly. No, what was it? Dark Mirror, the book by uh, um, Diane Duane. That was well done. That was a good mirror universe Inner mirror story. Inner Mirror Darkly, the two-parter of Enterprise was excellent. Yeah, that was great too. And it was great to watch the the people you've seen for four years just cut loose and chew scenery. <laughs> True. True. I'm sure Jolene Blaylock was just glad to not have to wear that shitty wig. <laughs> Has she been in anything lately? She really hadn't been in much. She had some cameo appearances or guest stars in Stargate, but... Jolene Blaylock. Let's see. Come on, Seth. Bring her in on the Orville. Oh, and let's talk about the Orville for a second. Hey, she was in the movie Sex Tape with um, Cameron Diaz and and um, the guy from How I Met Your Mother. What's his name? Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel. Thank you. She was in that with them. Don't know where, though. Anyway, Catalina. Orville. So let's talk about the Orville for a second, because I heard some semi-startling and potentially good news, but it's still in serious limbo. So uh, we all know that Orville season three, several cast members have talked about it being the final season. Seth MacFarlane has come out and said, I'm all for doing another one and getting the cast together. That's the easy part. It's about finding time to be able to pull it off. Um, you may, I don't know if it ever crossed your mind as to why Disney decided to put Orville on Disney plus just 
four days after the finale uh, aired on Hulu. Did it ever cross your mind? Never cared. You didn't, you didn't care. Okay. So, and I, I, this crossed my mind. I'm like, oh, In they fact, brought it to Disney I'm Plus. Little, if they had just debuted it on Disney Plus, I wouldn't have had to sit through the shitty commercials on Hulu. Well, yeah, there's that. Um, it went through my mind. I'm like, oh, they want to show it to more people. Disney Brass thinks that they have something special on their hands, but they didn't get enough views on Hulu. Disney Star Trek. Exactly. Exactly. They have an opportunity here and a great showrunner that can pull it off. Now, here's the thing. Hulu didn't get the viewership, but Hulu only has 44 million subscribers. Disney Plus has almost 200 million. That's a better sample size to see if they can get this show going off the ground. But their time is limited. You know why? Because Disney's being bought out by Fox. Uh, I'm going to go with the time zone that you're dealing with right now. Um, No, uh, Seth MacFarlane just signed like an 11-figure deal with Universal to do the TED TV show on Peacock and other animated fare and whatnot through Universal. So Disney has a very limited amount of time right now to decide whether they want to keep the rights to the Orville by hiring Seth on to do another season or two. Because Seth owns the rights to the Orville. And mm-hmm. Disney had first refusal after because of Fox. Because they bought out Fox. Right. So... That's the issue. So, that being said, so far, the Orville's been showing pretty well on Disney+. Plus. It's been in the top ten since it, it, it debuted for oh. all the streaming services. It's like, it, pretty good. It's been averaging around place, you know, number six on the top ten, which is really good. Really good. But we need to keep it going. We just need to put it out there. Everyone, please watch the Orville on Disney+. Plus, Please. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, watch the Orville. <laughs> so, have we discussed like the what happened with Halston Sage and why did she really leave the Orville? I don't think it's ever been actually talked about, but he was dating uh, Seth McFarlane was dating her, and I don't know if they broke. I mean, they obviously broke up, but I don't know if they broke up and that's what precipitated it or not. No idea. Hey, you know, you know I like Seth, but I think she's out of his league. Oh, um. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Good looks on a guy don't equate the same way. Good looks on a woman do. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Seth MacFarlane's got the power, the prestige, and the chops. The talent. Oh, I thought you meant the, the caps he got on his teeth once he got money. Probably, but I mean... I, I just dropped my shuttlecraft. Um, and I can't find it. It's too dark in here. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know about Halston Sage. Uh, I'm sorry. Another, another shuttlecraft crash. Now we got to get the Delta Flyer in here. Oh, fuck. Voyager must have, <laughs> its entire lower half must have been made of shuttlecraft. Because they fucking <laughs> lost more shuttlecraft. <laughs> 
there was at one point in an episode where they destroyed yet another shuttlecraft. I'm like 16 and I'm going, really? They've gone through quite a few already. <laughs> Just... By and the after end that, of season built... two, they were almost out of photon torpedoes. Yet they were they were just blowing up shuttlecraft like it was going out of style. Yeah, yeah. And yet, once they built the Delta Flyer, not 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 a nary shuttlecraft lost after that. Weird how that works out. Weird, but anyway, I think the moral of the story is we you know we need to watch the Orville on Disney Plus. Um, that's my big takeaway for the episode. What do you think? I think. <laughs> I think if they lose the Orville, you will see them. You will see Disney create its own Star Trek. Why? Why? I mean, here's the here's here's the thing about that, and I don't want to. I understand why you're bringing it up, but here's the here's the benefits of keeping the Orville. You have an established audience. You have an established universe, and you have a rabid following, and more people can come to it if it's more consistently shown. Bringing out a different kind of Star Trek that would be Star Trek equivalent on Disney's behalf would interfere with the star Wars development and it would be completely new. And that's a risk averse situation that Disney doesn't want to invest in. Would it though? I mean, really, would it be, it wouldn't cut into star star Wars at all. I am at all. They have got so much money shoved up star Wars ass. Marvel. Right. They're almost too big to fail right now. Well, let's see how much how much money is Disney earning a month on uh, on um, Disney Plus subscriptions. Let's just say it's seven dollars a month times two hundred twenty, and then one two three. That's twenty two two hundred twenty million equals. That'd be one point five billion dollars a month. That they're earning from Disney Plus. Okay. Well, that adds up. All right. <laughs> they're literally they're literally getting more in a month from Disney Plus than they would from a uh, their most popular Star Wars movie theatrical release. Likely. Huh. That's an interesting business model. And yet, they'll still make a Star Wars movie because it will be guaranteed to make a billion dollars at the fucking box office. They can (laughs) merchandise the dog shit out of it. But the merchandise hasn't been selling lately. That's the kicker. That's because they haven't had Baby Yoda in almost a year. Well, yes, we can never we can never underestimate the power of the baby Yoda. Dude, that guy's merchandising alone could have resurrected a dead fucking company. Very true. And only through the only through the 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 fidelity of the art of storytelling 
did it slow them down in making as much money as they could have at the very beginning? And God love them, they actually went through with it. <laughs> they did. They did. They did. Something to chew on, something to think about. Well, anything else, DT? Anything else that grinds your gears or tweaks your tweeter? Or, or as the great Polly Shore would say? Don't, don't give me that. Don't give me that look. You're getting that look. The only okay. thing that I know right now that you probably don't know is they have released the name of a couple of episodes of the new Futurama reboot. They've released what? A couple of episode names. Oh, do they have a release date yet? Hmm. 2023, that's all they're saying. Nah. But here's something. Parasites regained. Uh-oh. What's that mean? Well... The episode Parasites Lost. Yeah. Fry had the worms. Yeah. Smart and strong. Oh. I wonder if the worms are coming back. Probably. That'd be great. That was an awesome episode. (laughs) Oh, gosh. One of my favorite lines from Farnsworth. Look, this is going to be one hell of a bowel movement. (laughs) <laughs> Afterwards, he'll be lucky if he has any bones left. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh goodness! Oh, here's one: rage against the vaccine. Well, yeah that that just that's just timely. Zap gets canceled. Also timely. I know what you did last Xmas. Oh, please, oh, no. please let John Goodman be back as Robot Santa. <laughs> Ooh, please bring back Mark Hamill as the Hanukkah zombie. Oh, probably all of the above. Oh, well, then maybe they'll bring Coolio back as Quanzabot if those two are back. Is, is Coolio still around? I hadn't heard anything out of him for years until I heard him do the fucking uh, Kwanzaa bot on Futurama. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I'm all for that. Just (laughs) shoot. Oh, man. I feel like we're winding down here. And I feel that you're right. Because we are. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Everything's going to be okay. Sun's getting real low. Oh, boy. We're going into ASMR territory here. Sun's getting low. Sun's getting low. (laughs) Why do you keep saying that? (laughs) I do look forward to watching She-Hulk. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm probably going to watch it tonight. I'll watch it tomorrow. I'll watch 
I'll watch Lower Decks and we'll have something to talk about next week. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. All right. Well, there we are. Well, on that note, everyone, uh, be sure to reach out to us at those sci-fi guys on Twitter or those sci-fi guys at gmail.com. Uh, go to our website, www.thosesci-fi-guys.com. Uh, I know. That being said, everybody, you guys keep working. We'll keep dreaming. I'm P.S. McKay. So long, folks. You keep dreaming. We'll keep working. I'll see you on the high ground. No, I'm going to go with them. I'm switching Ask. it up this time. I'm switching it up, but that's fine. Whatever. Just got to call it out right, right before we go out. But mostly yeah. stay classy. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alphasite Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosesci-fi-guys.com for past episode information.